Oh. You know what's funny? I was listening to your episode, The Atlas Vampire. Oh, yes. Um, and you guys were talking about, do people shrink as they get older? And I was answering your questions as I was editing. <laughs> and then I just had to burst out laughing when Matt had said, Tommy will probably know the answer, as I'm messaging you guys the answers. <laughs> And I was like, why was I not in that episode? Oh, my God. You don't know how many times. <laughs> it was like, I was in my bed. And I don't know what time it was, but it was a certain time. Probably shouldn't have been in my bed. My laptop was on my chest. I'm editing away. And then I'm, I'm messaging you guys and then editing and then laughing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yes, that's great. They know that I would know about a man shrinking as their age. Well, that's because you are the knowledgeable one. You are the one who has the... <laughs> 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 I don't oh my know. Gosh. That was perfect. But uh, you, you're the one with the other the walking library of reference. You would know the answer. I'm the walking library and, and weird. You said it yourself. You answered that question. So there's like 17 species of penguins in the world, and only five of them live in cold countries. <laughs> what? I know, right? <laughs> Did I that, know, right? I have I just, this information in my head and it's of no use. Did I just black out for like two minutes? Okay, do you want to hear my ultimate useless knowledge? Okay. In Back in high school, I, I used to think geography was kind of cool. I learned about globalization. That was the only thing I really took away from it. The only thing geological I took away from geography was Oxbow Lakes. And there's no way in your life you're going to have to use that sort of information. And yet I know most about Oxbow Lakes. It's like me knowing about... Um... I've forgotten the name of it now. Buckminster Fullerene. Like, that's like the. It's probably because it's a funny word. It's just stayed in my head for over a decade. Did you get into that around the same time Cumberbatch became quite big? No. Oh. That was when I was like 13, 14. Oh, right, yeah. So this was a decade ago. Oh, shit. That was a decade ago. <sighs> Sounds like a lovely suite you'd find in Charlie and Chocolate Factory. What? Buckminster Fullerene? No, Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. No, both of them. I would, really. I would eat Cumberbatch. <laughs> oh, I bet you would. Oh. <laughs> Cock. <laughs> we are totally going to see Doctor Strange with Matt, though, right? I totally am. I do. Actually... I, I hope I get along with Matt at that point. <laughs> what, because of the the fallout. Yeah, he just. It's just we got into an argument a little while ago. He, you want to know what he told me? Go on. He said Hitler and Donald Trump weren't that bad. Oh. Oh. Well, context, context. Nothing, you just said that. Well. There was no well, context. I am mildly annoyed. Uh, yeah, so I, I just, so we we had a falling out and you might not be around for a little while because I organised this. I've told him that we, me and Chris went to Aspen together. We're not in Aspen. We're we, in we, Chris's mum's basement. We negotiated Aspen, you know. Yeah. It was the next best thing, but... <laughs> I mean, the basement is where all the action happens. <laughs> it's where all the moss grows as well. Exactly. I call it my uh, my cave, you know. Everyone has, every man has their back cave, but to call it a cave would be an insult to caves, really. I mean, Jesus Christ. It's not a cave, it's a hovel. It's a hovel. Oh, Christ, really? <laughs> a hovel? <laughs> like, like, I always think whenever someone says, oh, isn't this such a hovel? You know, you walk into Grand Design and someone say, it's a bit of a hovel, isn't it? I always think of, like, some shitty Jim Henson puppet from a film uh, and the cave it lives in or something. You know, from the 80s, those old, mm. when Jim Henson was a big thing and they would have, like, yeah, yeah. what was it, um, Labyrinth from the Dark Crystal and... I'm sure there was a character that was called something like Hovel. What is it with us and using vocabulary this evening? 
Like we use Luddite, we use Zygoma, we Luddite, use Zygoma, the Fillerine, we, we use that word that you said about geography. Cock, Oxbow Lake. Oxbow Lake. Maybe I should have gone to geography. That sounds quite interesting. You didn't go to geography? I didn't go to a lot of my classes, Chris. But you seem H- to how know is this them a surprise so well. to you? Pardon? You seem to know them so well. Is it because you knew them so well? That you didn't go. Uh, it was boring, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was totally boring, mate. Yeah, so I didn't bother. I only went to my media class. You're, you're, um, you're badass, mate. And you got, an a, badass. you got an A in media. Shit. I got a star, mate. What are you Fuck, chatting mate. about? Fuck, mate. I got an A star. That's like the high point of my life that my parents brag about still. <laughs> I'm sure I got a B for bitch. I got a few Bs as well. Yeah. You got a couple of Cs. I got a D. You got a D? Oh, shit. But I got Where a D in something that I only went to five times in five years. Oh, yeah, what was that? RE. Oh, yeah, RE fucking time. I went to five lessons in five years, and two of those were the lead-up to the exam. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, oh, no, no, I'm just going to smash this. I'll just soak in all the bit of knowledge. Uh, He's going to give a recap of five years, isn't he? Yeah, I'll go to those <laughs> lessons. <laughs> I think I got B in RE. Really? <laughs> and to be honest, like, I understood that, like, um, coming up to the final year, I thought to myself, this is all just coursework. I'm doing this at home anyway. I used to think I was quite a good boy, but... I did start to bunk quite a lot. And it was at a point where I knew that either way I'm getting to college or I'm just getting into a job. I'm just mm. happy to leave school, you know, and I, I'm going to spend my time the way I want it for now, you know. And uh, that was my little rebel phase, but it wasn't as big as some people had, really. Um. Yeah, it was so easy to skip classes in my school because if you went to the first class of the day and you went to the last class of the day, you're registered for the whole day. Yeah, exactly. All the in-between didn't matter. Nope. No. So I would just go sit in the prefect room. But you'd always I get... wasn't even a prefect. No, you'd just go there. Yeah, I'd just go well, there. I knew some prefects. I got the key. Funnily enough, the more you turn up, the less they're going to question you anyway, so... No, but people weren't supposed to be there during lessons. I was, like, the only one there with some friends. Oh. Maybe they thought you were special. Possibly, possibly. And then my teachers would see me in between lessons and just like, why weren't you in my... Okay. All right, uh, then. Hey, isn't that top... Shh, leave her, leave her. She's, she's studying on Oxbow Lakes, you know. She's, <laughs> she really likes those things. So. I really should have gone to... Like, my geography teacher was called Mr. Govender, and he just really annoyed Mr. me, Govender. and I just liked taking the piss out of him. That's the only reason I'd ever go. Uh, Mr. Govender. And then I just didn't go anymore. Really? <laughs> I, I joined Arsenal Double Club, so I wouldn't have to do lessons, because I thought it was just going to be sport. Arsenal which, Double which, Club? Yeah, which I know that might shock people that I'd just signed up to do sport, but I thought it would make me avoid classes. But they make you do maths and English. Uh, it turns what? out it was to help people that were slow at maths and English, and I was not. What, the Arsenal Club? Arsenal Double Club. That has nothing on the label that says maths and English. I know, well, because it was supposed to promote maths and English. Even so, I thought sport, double science. But, I yeah, but the thing is, I didn't need help with maths and English. So you aced that shit, right? Exactly. It wasn't hard, and I still had to do it, because it was my way to get out of other lessons. <laughs> but then you got into a lesson. <laughs> I know, right? Oh. <laughs> but he genuinely said, why do you want to do this? You're actually smarter. And I was yeah. like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> Just uh, it, My uh... friend's in it, and I was like, but your friend needs it. And I was like, well, my friend's in it. I want to join. But I need her. <laughs> I need her. <laughs> uh, it's it's special needs, and our need for each other is special. Yeah, basically, I joined a special needs class, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't need to. 
Oh, I think that's that's quintessentially the best story I've ever heard from a high school. Yeah, I joined, and then you just realised, yeah, it's basically a special needs class. I joined the special needs class. And so I, basically, I, really I make them to. feel. I went there genuinely to make them to feel like shit. Or, or they had spelling tests in secondary school. Maybe they saw you and thought, "Hang on, she's here. Maybe we're not so bad after all." Maybe possibly. Yeah, maybe you did. Or maybe more good. maybe I was like special needs with sport. <laughs> you just kick the ball, Tom, and everything just okay catches on fire. When I was younger, <laughs> yeah. it's only as I got older and got more and more lazy. I was like, nah, I don't want to move. Yeah, leave me alone. That ball will move whether I'm there yeah. or not. <laughs> I played a football game at the Arsenal Stadium. Oh yeah, not on the grounds, obviously. What, what, they had what? an indoor pitch. Oh, that's quite cool. Like you did, was it for a special occasion or something? No, well, I was part of the double club. Oh, you actually I got, got to, to go sat there. Sat with and resat. This that's, was their old stadium, though. This that's, wasn't. Um, that's pretty sweet. They actually took you up to it. Like the, I think yeah, the biggest. Yeah, we sat in their dressing rooms. I mean, they weren't there. They were playing a game away somewhere. Yeah. The biggest treat we used to get in PE was uh, they bring out the ping pong tables and mm. we start playing ping pong. Other than that, it was always bloody rugby. <laughs> I met Dennis Bergkamp, which Tom hates me for. Oh, Tom. Yes. Yeah. Why? Why is that? Uh, because he wishes he had met Dennis Bergkamp, I guess. Oh, okay. He gave me an award. Serious? What? For competing. Oh, is it he, is, a double is, club? He's a footballer. He's a footballer, yes. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the man in this relationship, Chris? Hey, which team do you support? And I'm just like... Uh, the Toon Squad. Uh, what shit. team do you support? You, I've never heard you heard you I, talk about football. I used to lie and say Chelsea or Liverpool, but is that just because Chelsea were winning at the time? Probably. Uh, when I was a kid, I genuinely actually really loved uh, Liverpool and football in general. But now it's like I don't know. I just I don't know. I just lost interest. Yeah, I grew up in Islington, and my family are Arsenal supporters, so it's like the only way. But Arsenal was pretty much the widely accepted team. All over yes. London anyway, so... Well, apart from if you're a Tottenham fan and you live in the Tottenham area. Oh, yeah, of course. Because, <laughs> you know, think, they got some beef. I think a friend of mine, Ben, supports Tottenham and he lives in... Ah, what a bastard. I liked <laughs> Ben before that. So is it. What a wanker. Ben, I know you listen to this. <laughs> what a wanker. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> Don't bother even speaking to me at the next event that I see you at. Because we are mortal enemies now. I don't care what T-shirt you wear. They'll just say, I hate you. Yeah, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he won't give a shit. He's so monotone about everything. Uh, he's cool with it, man. He'll just be like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the theme song. Oh, are we doing intro music? Yes, we are. Yeah. If only it was like in the way of the blues. If only we um, had. Mm. That's not blues. I don't know what that was. That was just a weird dong. Mong. I can't did play you, guitar. I've got just, a guitar in my room. <laughs> did you just call me a mom? <laughs> in the most in the most special way, Tarman. <laughs> I am special, had you not heard? <laughs> mong! Mong! <laughs> uh, if anyone really is offended by today's episode, we are Pardon? very sorry. <laughs> is this why we don't do this so late? <laughs> we'll blame it on that. Okay, yeah, Matt, insert the intro music here. Except he won't because he doesn't know how to edit. So, Tarman, please insert the intro music. Where we talk about stuff. 
Carmen. Are you going to say thank you to me as well? Uh, good, good one. Well done. <laughs> yeah, put it in. <laughs> <laughs> when you say put it in. Not as long as I thought, but, you know. We need to talk about things. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Dork Seduction. I am Chris, and uh, this is my lovely colleague, Tarman. Say my name again, Chris. Tarman. Tarman. Tarman, yes. Tarman. Yes, yes, indeed. I sound like Mr Bean right now. Yeah. I was thinking of changing my name because there's like, you can't tell any ethnic origin and you can't tell whether I'm male or female. Surely that's a bonus, isn't it? I don't know. I really do not know. It's sort of anonymous while Mm. still being easy to find. Yeah, easy to find. I don't really have an online presence anymore other than the Twitter. You've gotten quite political recently, though, haven't you? Yeah, well, it's it's coming up to the US elections, isn't it? So my Twitter oh. feed is full of them. Well, so I yeah. end up retweeting stuff. You can't really escape it if you have a digital yeah. footprint, so... Yeah, so it's either me live tweeting about watching the designated survivor and the racism in that, or oh, me retweeting the racism in the US presidential debate. I actually did plan to get a guest on for the presidential election. You did get a guest on, didn't you? I didn't, know. I was It's going to be for next week, but it's a cracker, and it's a very political cracker indeed. Um, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. If it's it. Donald Trump, I know Matt will love to be here, because he's a huge, huge fan, but... It's a shame that I'm not talking to him. Well, I tried to get Donald Trump on for Matt's sake, and he's not there. And obviously Hitler's dead, so I'm trying to running out of his heroes. So I guess I'm just going to have to go for the next best thing and uh, get Putin on. But <laughs> I don't know. I'm just generalising at this point. Sorry, Matt. Do you think Putin would be a fan of blues music? Funnily enough, I wouldn't be surprised. He, he did surprise me a lot, Putin. Yeah, you always get these dictators like Kim Jong-un, Saddam. I think Saddam really likes Titanic. Yeah, 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 I think I heard that. Yeah. It was one of them, like, really, like, Titanic. I think it was Kim Jong-il really liked one of Leonardo DiCaprio's films. I can't remember what it was, though. Uh, but but it, it's surprising when you see this. And they actually... It brings... I think I spoke to Matt about this, it brings out a human quality to them that you're not expecting. Yeah, they're just human beings that way. They inherited these titles, basically. Yeah, so you kill and a lot of people. And that's the way they've been yeah. raised to, oh my God, we're defending dictators. Well, you can't say we don't do things differently here. Mm. Oh God, defending Theresa May. Oh, now that's a completely She's our prime minister, fish. Chris. The privatisation oh. has begun. We're all about <laughs> to die. Of austerity, not actual killing. We're never going to be happy anyway. It doesn't really make a difference, but always complaining. The one guy I like is the one who gets demonised for being who he is because he doesn't fit their bill. And every, every even even Labour is slightly like Tory at this point. It's like a soft touch Tory. Exactly, and it's <laughs> pussyfooting Tory, and it's it's just so disappointing. And and it, uh, Blair's probably going to get taken down but it's too late at this point and uh, no there's Nothing's no justice to Blair, Blair. there's no justice in our system there is not we're really at a crossroads chris uh-huh. yeah and everything's anti-semitic apparently so yeah, yeah everything's anti-semitic so what can you do but buy some popcorn and hope that trump gets in and just see something because <laughs> at this point i don't like trump but i feel like even his america would be less uh, depressing than what we've got right now. I would love him for him to get in just to see the disappointment in his supporters' faces oh, so when sweet. they realise he can do fuck all. You've seen that big thing he did, like he he this tax evasion problem that he's had. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, <laughs> he said, said that he makes said me a smart businessman. Smart. Yeah, and, and to a point, 
I I agree, but that's a fucking stupid thing to say on live TV. Like, no, no, but my issue with it is that's fine if it was just that. Part of his policy is to get rid of illegal immigrants and immigrants because they're not paying taxes, oh. and he thinks Americans should be paying into the system. And another part of, part of the reason that he's getting so much aggro is because he said he did pay taxes. Yeah. So it's the outward lying. It's like our apex was 2000 and maybe 12, right? And then since then, we've slowly been receding in humanity. No, mm. Just just the world itself. Like, all oh, right, we got to a point where we were almost at utopia. Now let's just pull our civilizations back a bit with these out. Uh, it gives you the blues, you know? Yeah. It really... I'd sell my soul just to have a utopia. Yeah. Speaking of selling souls... Oh, I smell a segue. Finally, man. How many segues did I try and move away from the fucking presidential debate with? <laughs> so this episode, ladies and germs, our viewers, our readers, whatever Annie likes to call you. <laughs> I mean, because she's dead. She's in hell. She's met this guy, actually. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, she, she to- she's the one that told me about this. She's not the one that told me about this, but she told me a bit about him. What he's like tends to keep to himself. But um, this episode is on the late, posthumously great Robert Johnson. Here, here. Here, here. Yes. And we do mean late as in he's dead. Yeah, he's he's so dead. That's how I met him in hell. We've been talking about a lot of people gone and here. So just to clear this one up, he is a... Uh... He's been gone a while, this guy. Yeah, yeah, he died a very, very long time. Way before we were a glimmer in our grandparents' eyes. <laughs> what is it about words and us tonight, huh? I do not know. We're very wordy tonight, aren't we? I know, it's such a funny little thing. Is this what happens when Matt's not around? We we can talk. We just we just talk normally. Is it, uh, this isn't normal. This isn't normal, surely. Possibly. Maybe this is us. Maybe we put on an idiotic front when Matt is around to fit in with him. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Wh- why are you holding us back, Matt? Why are you holding us back? Anyway, so Mr Robert Johnson... He he was born on the 8th of May, 1911. I was about to say 2011. That would have been wrong. 1911. And he is known widely because he was a blues singer-songwriter and he specialised in the Delta blues style. And if listeners had been listening to any of the past episodes that we had about musicians, you know that I know nothing about music, so I don't know what the Delta blues style is. But I have it written down, so I decide to say it. He mainly was a busker and went from state to state performing. He never really gained any fame while he was alive. He gained recognition about 1961, which was many, many, many years after his death when recordings were released. So in a way, he was kind of like the H.P. Lovecraft of music. He didn't see himself become famous. No, no. He was starting to go... It's a bit sad because he was starting to gain notoriety around the time that he passed. Mm. Because Columbia Records, they sort of took notice of him wanting him to perform, but they found that he was dead in 1938. Wow. So, yeah, so just before he possibly got his big break, he died. That is sad. I, I always find a, a soft spot for people that never see their works take off, you know. One of the reasons that he, he is so intriguing to audiences is because we don't actually have any firm information on him. We know he was born around Robinsville in... Um, Mississippi, Uh and he moved around a lot with his family, and his father was possibly have been forced out of the area by mobs or mobsters or something like that. Uh Oh, I should mention he's black. Oh, yeah. African-American, if that's what you want to say. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I forgot about that. 
Yeah, there's really no solid information about him because he featured in a census in about 1920 in Arkansas and he had two marriage certificates. And from the marriage certificates, we, well, people have said, yeah, he probably was well-educated for a person of his social stature, mm-hmm. which is very low because he's a working class. He, his family grew, lived on a plantation and he was a black man in the 19. 19- 10s and 20s. Yeah, there was not a lot of information about him. We know that he married in 1921 to a Virginia Travis, who was the age of 16, which is normal back then. Damn. Yeah, and she died in childbirth. Oh, crikey. And strangely enough, he married a second time at about 1931. That wife also died in childbirth. Christ, man, what is it? There's already curse kicking off here. Yeah. After the first wife died, he sort of decided to hone his craft and go around travelling the air. Well, mainly sticking to the south of the United States mm. and uh, going down to towns and, I was going to say villages, not villages, cities, performing. Usually he'd give a fake name and the people that he knew in these cities he'd actually set up lives with and personas and they would know nothing about his other lives that he had in other places. Really? Yeah. Why did he? Like, I mean, he obviously he's a wayward wanderer, and he wants no connections to keep him down. But I mean, he he bared this all to a confidant or something, or did he keep? He I didn't have a confidant. It doesn't seem like he did. I mean, most of the people that knew him, there are loads of musicians that became successful that worked alongside him or knew him a bit. They all say that he was friendly, but he kept to himself. Mm. He didn't let many people in. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that they did know about him is that he liked booze and he liked women. Oh, that's how we like our bluesers. Well, that's the thing. He, he sounds like even that's a persona, you know, of yeah, what they know possibly. of him. He could have been quite a, you know, that could have been an act for all we know. Yeah, but he's one of those people that seemed to have women in every city that oh, he would stay okay. with when he went there. Like, it didn't matter if they were attached or they had families or it was, yeah, a disgrace on their fat homes. He would make attachments with them. Damn, man, he's a. Yeah. What you, he's quite a little uh, Lucario. Well, what do you call it? Um, Lothario. Lothario, yeah. Fuck, yeah. I think Lucario is a Pokemon more. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Dear me. Okay, so this is like a brief, brief, brief overview of his life because I bet not much of it is based on facts. So I'm just going to give you that headlines. Well, then again, not much of it can be. I mean, this guy, he was so quiet and about yeah. his own life. And, and plus, let's face it, he's a black guy in the early uh, 20th century. I mean,. He's not going to have much written on him. No. Yeah, which I find weird, because now we could probably find out how many shits, I don't know, <laughs> Kristen Stewart takes a day. <laughs> I mean, uh, and uh, it's it doesn't even seem that long ago, the 30s. Ugh, therein lies like, real sadness. If you think about how old the world is, 30s mm. isn't that long ago. Yeah. There's more written on YouTube stars who are famous for, you know, getting naked on camera than there are than this, this guy who inspired... Many of our musicians, really. Yeah. A shame. Okay, so he lived a life shrouded in misery. In misery, I was going to say misery. Well, there was a fair bit of misery. He had two wives that died. Mm. He lived a life shrouded in mystery, and his death is even more mysterious because we don't know how it happened. That, that, that's actually where I had a little bit of uh, confusion with this character because it is his death that kind of signaled me. There was an allegation that he might have been poisoned, or there's not actually a, a reason for his death. Well, the theory is because of his lotharious nature. Mm-hmm. Possibly he flirted with a married woman or a taken woman, and the man that she, she was attached to didn't take kindly to that. Yeah. 
So he was murdered by them and threw poison oh. in a bottle of whiskey. So they're combining his two great loves, winner, women and booze. Mm. After a gig as well, so music as well. As far as it goes, I think that's been fairly debunked. Has it not? I, I suppose so. But, you know, the, the personal accounts are that he, he was in severe pain uh, after drinking something. So, like, from yeah. that's, that's what I found anyway. From what I read, it seems like the most plausible poison would have been something called strychnine. Strychnine. Yeah, which has a very, very harsh odour to it. Oh. So he would know that he was drinking it, and also it kills someone faster than a few days. Apparently it took him about two or three days to die. Two or three days to die? Yeah, in agony. Oh, my God. Or possibly more. I've got written down here several days, but for some reason I thought it was two or three. So I don't know whether my memory is correct or my notes. You would be feeling blue, huh? <laughs> hey! <laughs> There's oh, also God. another theory about his death is... He spent time on a plantation and he decided, oh, I sort of want to work here. Because that's what every free black man in the 1930s wants, is to work on a plantation. Now, who came up with that? Who said that? A white man. It's a white plantation. I didn't get the name of the person, but he's a white plantation owner. Of course. course. So, apparently, as he was there voluntarily and they didn't have a doctor on site, they weren't able to do a medical on him. So... He just died, and they think he died of syphilis, and he was buried on the plantation. Wow. What a way to go. Yeah. So we don't actually know how he died. Chalking it up to his Lothario ways, you know, that's an easy way of saying, yeah, yeah, he fucked too many women, and that was his problem. He's gone now. Yeah, but syphilis was so easy to catch then. Of course it was, yeah. And it wasn't, there wasn't an easy fix like there is now. Mm. I mean, it was deadly back then. But still, that's, it just lies in with the convenience, doesn't it? Mm. You know, have reports of him being given a drink by this woman's husband and then she knocks it out of his hand. But I, I think he got quite mad, so he got a second one and that was around the I time. I think it was a he... friend that knocked it out of his hand. Oh, yeah. Apparently. Oh, okay. It's just, it's it's mysterious. But then again, like, I, I, I'm sure I know what happened and I'm not going to believe the whole, oh, boy, I couldn't wait to work on that plantation. Shame yeah, no, no, I have my job. opinions about that. Like, he, I, at the same time, like, I, he's he's earning a living as a, a musician. He's he's pretty much like... Well, barely. I mean, he, he's barely, he yeah. busking and he was... First of all, he's a black man trying to make it as a musician in the 1920s and 30s. Yeah. And he's, he's busking the streets. He was travelling from place to place. He couldn't afford to live in hotels and stuff. That's why he was making all these relationships and going home with random people from gigs. Oh. Oh, right. He wasn't rolling in the dough. I mean, no one of his stature would have been back then. Mm. There wasn't as much money in musicianship as there is now, I don't think. Well, even now, like, you you can't really just start out as a musician, can you? I mean, you have to... It's still quite a poor business. Yeah, I mean, you only earn money if you're gigging constantly mm. or if you're a superstar. Because even if you're gigging constantly, some like you hear about these people that were from bands that were huge, yet they don't have any money. Yep. First, you have to have your heart in it. And of course, you will do if you've already learned how to play this instrument. Uh, but at the same time, like, it's it's a test of your love because... And that's why you get a lot of bands these days, you know, part-time bands that they have day jobs, you know. They might get a gig every once in a while and go to it, but... It's not their one source of income because it's just not realistic, especially since the volume of these bands has risen. You probably have, like, a friend's sister who's in a band or a brother's lover who's in a band or something like that. Everyone seems to be in it. The Pope's in a band, you know? I mean, like, (laughs) everyone has a band somewhere. So it's like just to get those gigs, they're quite rare anyway uh, when you're not contending with all these other people that are starting out. 
and obviously there's some people that get unfair advantages and stuff and it's just, yeah, you need to have that other part-time job. So, like, no one does the way wandering. The real true way wanderers, and I think I once knew one guy, my friend Will, he, he met this one guy uh, called Paul Sebastian. And this guy was literally, like, he was also a black guy. He was really great at the guitar, but he would um play the most beautiful music uh, you'd ever heard. And I think he once opened for Bob Dylan, but he'd always just see him floating about central London. Didn't really have a home. He just had his guitar and a couple of burnt CDs, which had his music on it. But he is yeah. such beautiful music, you know. It's just him with a guitar. And you can imagine just listening to Water in Space, you know. It's it's so amazing. But he wasn't living the hard life. He was... I don't know if he had a day job. Just, we'd just always see him on the street, you know. And uh, one day stop seeing him. Well, I guess that's a bit like Rod Johnson, though. I suppose I mean, so, yeah. He was He was always on the road, doing his gigs. I mean, he, he did have a couple of recording sessions just before he died. Yeah. He had two in 1937 and 1938. Oh. Do you want to know what? He, he's had a career that lasted most modern-day careers. And do you want to know how many singles he actually wrote? He actually recorded? How many? 27. Oh, my word. And they were all properly recorded as well? Well, yeah, they were, like, in a hotel room in a makeshift studio. Right. Because from what I've heard, it was, you know, for the for quality of it anyway. It sounded like it was fine quality. Yeah. He, he would do different takes of the songs as well. Yeah. So he would record a few versions of it. So, theoretically, there's a couple of masters out there. Yeah. I mean, they've been released in compilations over, like, the first one was in 1961, yeah. and then there was one in, like, 1980, and then there was one in the 90s. So they're spanning decades, really. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I wonder if he thought he'd actually have this much success after he died. To be fair, if you're getting into a recording label or something, even if you're not going to have a massive release, just to know that somewhere out there your mark has been left, and even if it's like hidden behind a vault, it's still somewhere recorded, isn't it? I mean, unless we went full North Korea and just destroyed all material, um, it's nice to know that anything you do is going to be forever embedded in, say, the internet or... Yeah. I don't even think he wanted to be famous because, like, nobody knew him. Mm. And that's the way he wanted it. Would yeah. he want to be famous? I mean, that's how he acted, isn't it? I mean... Yeah, and if, if he wanted fame and success so much, he would have tried to approach someone to help him do some recordings before 1937. I mean, he's he was 27 when he died, so he'd be around 26 when this happened. So, do you think maybe it might have actually been the surprise of fame that could have led to his downfall? He didn't get... He was only alive for the release of, like, two of his songs. Yeah. He died just before... Just after he'd had his second recording session. And one of his singles, uh, let me just bring it up here, Terror Plain Blues, um, that that was a moderate hit, but I don't know what moderate hit means in 1937. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not too up to date with my, uh, my, <laughs> my yesteryears. Yeah. So, so I don't think he saw much success while he was alive, because he was only alive for the release mm. of two of his songs. But to go from, like, a nobody to straight recording 27 hits, like, something must have happened. I don't know. Well, they weren't hits at the time. He was just of recording. Of course. But... He aligned with a producer. They were like demos. Lots mm. of people do that. Oh, right. It doesn't right, mean okay. they're successful. I mean, we could, we've got mics. We've got garage band. We could easily, easily record a demo in our own homes. It's just easier for us, because we've got more up-to-date technology. It's just a bit mm. more difficult for him. Of course, yeah. Should we move on to the reason why I wanted to do him? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Do you want to guess uh, how I found out about this, Chris? Was he on Supernatural? Yes, he was. Oh! 
Oh, I might have to watch that as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so I told you, Supernatural has covered everything. <laughs> so basically, in Supernatural, there's this thing called a crossroads demon. So you would put a few things in a box and go to a crossroad at midnight, bury the box, and you could summon a demon and make a deal with that demon. And they would give you what you what you desired in exchange for your soul. So you get to live out your dream or your wealth or whatever you've asked for for 10 years, and then you go to hell. Ah, uh, yes. So there is a rumour or a legend of Robert Johnson. Well, there's a few reasons why this rumour has been rumbling around. When he was initially in Robinsville, around the time when his first wife died... There was a singer or blues musician called Sun House in the area at the time. Right. And his account is that Robert Johnson wasn't actually that great at playing guitar. I mean, he played harmonica okay, but he wasn't a very good guitarist. Right. Flash forward a couple of years later, and he's a master of it. And he's written these 27 songs. Well, he hasn't recorded at that time, two years later, but he's been gigging all over the place. He has people that appreciate his music all over the South. (laughs) So in a couple of short years, he's gone from being bad at the guitar to being a master at it. Yeah, so naturally, uh, some house thinks... Oh, obviously there's some supernatural shit going on here. Yes, and the supernatural legend is that he wanted to become a musician so badly. He wanted to be talented. So he was advised by somebody, it doesn't say who, somebody, to take his guitar to a crossroad at midnight. And there he was met with a black man who was actually the devil in disguise. Mm. And the devil slash black man tuned the guitar... And gave it back to Johnson, and suddenly Johnston, Johnson was a master of it. <laughs> wow, that was such a cool legend. Yeah, and in response for the in response in exchange for the guitar, he would give him his soul. But then again, with all deals with the devil, there's some uh, catch, isn't there? I mean, it could explain why he died fairly young, but yeah. then 27 isn't that young in the 1930s. Probably not. But at the same time, it's uh, it's still quite shocking how. Far, well, I mean, he got his gift. And then, obviously, the devil has the last laugh by having him die uh, very soon after he's gotten it. So Yeah. But there's a few things that sort of uh, maybe give credence to the idea. The family of his first wife, Virginia Tra- mm. Travis, they believe that he was the reason that she died because he played secular music with imagery of the devil. Serious? Yeah. So okay. it was actually after that he strived to become a better musician. I mean, I don't know why you strive to become a better musician after your family have said it's because of your music your wife's died in childbirth. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, there wouldn't be more, nothing more scary than a guy not just playing music about the devil, but playing it badly as well. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That brings us onto another point. I completely glossed over it. The devil imagery in his music. Mm. I mean, because you've got the crossroad blues, you've got me and the devil, you've got... Uh, Hellhound on my tail. Mm. I mean, the devil features very prominently in quite a few of his songs, and he only has 27 of them. How many of his songs feature the devil? Uh, there's a few. I mean, I named three. Wow. But, I mean, I think there's imagery seeded throughout. But there mm. was only, like, a small number of songs. And, yeah, it is a, a running theme, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it keeps coming back to it. Like, it is kind of hounding him, you know? Yeah. But then also, it could be, like, he, maybe he's got the devil on his shoulder. He hasn't had the best of luck. Mm, mm. His parents separated when he was young. He moved around a lot while he was young. He had two wives that died during childbirth. And I'm pretty sure... I I don't know about his descendants. 
I mean, I think there was at least one illegitimate son somewhere, but I don't know if the... I don't know how to phrase this. The children that were supposed to be from the mother dying in childbirth situations... Mm. I don't know if they survived. There's not, not much written on them either, I suppose. No, and he, he was a guarded person, so maybe he had his own demons and his yeah. music was a way to, you know, explore it. Probably. I mean, like, it's uh, it's a personal thing, isn't it? Especially if you write your own tune. But to, to actually bring it out, obviously, that might be why he, he kept to himself and used different names and things. He probably didn't think people would understand him, you know. And then this legend gets born it's like well he knew it he knew it would happen he knew it would happen and this yeah. guy was his son house probably yeah. a little bit probably a little bit jealous you know this guy who used to be kind of shit and then came back and was better than him you never know like it could be he could have fabricated that just to make him a little bit jealous or something yeah there is also another piece of what people call evidence uh-huh is him and a man called Isaiah Zimmerman, who was also a blues musician. They oh, yeah. used to practice in graveyards around the Robinsville and surrounding areas. Oh, serious? That's metal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But another counter-argument to that that has come up is no one goes to graveyards at night. They were private and alone to practice. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still a taboo thing anyway. Like, you only go to graveyards, really, to, to mourn. It's always been and that what way. what we do is film... At other people's graves. Yeah, yeah. I've done that so many times, I feel really bad. Wait, you what? You know, like, when we were making student films and stuff. And oh, we, yeah, we've all done that one. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. steal other people's graves oh, God, to use them as our own. We're so deep. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, you know, like, um, that, that picture you might have taken in graphics class or something, or stone architecture. But, um... Didn't he live with Zimmerman for a while? Yeah, yeah, he lived and toured, and, like, I think he learned from Zimmerman a lot. He learned oh. from Sun House, or he gained inspiration from Sun House, and he, he, he was taught oh. by Zimmerman, played with Zimmerman a lot oh. for a few years. Could have been a partnership out of necessity, really. Yeah, but then, you know, when you build a working relationship with someone, especially if it's in the creative field... Mm. You should you should keep hold of it for as long as possible. Of if you course, compliment yeah. one each other, you can give advice to one another, you can criticise one another. Yeah. It's probably the best thing for you. I mean, you can't just uh, be completely isolated and think you're fantastic mm. and then uh, d- decide to portray your, or show your talent in public and everyone else saying, oh, no, you're shit. You need someone to have an opinion and be honest about it. Sure. <laughs> Another theory about this legend is that when his um, music was discovered a couple of decades after he died by white audiences, is that they decided to come up with this background story. First of all, to make it interesting. Well, I think that's mainly it. In their eyes, it was to make it interesting. In my eyes, uh, the 60s in America were still pretty racist. Yeah. And they used to think that black men or women were lesser beings. In my head, it makes it sound like maybe they were thinking of a reason why he'd be so talented. And also, they portrayed the devil as a black man. Oh, did they used to do that? Well, yeah, they said the devil was a black man. Well, in disguise as a black man. Shit, man. That's fucking racist. Well, yeah. Possibly. <laughs> possibly. But also, I, I like to think of both sides of it. Also, wouldn't he be more comfortable being approached by a black man in the middle of the night than a white man in the yeah. middle of the night in the 1920s and 30s. That's true. What I'm thinking is it could be people putting it up, like, 
fabricating that because obviously the racism at the time but at the same time because of him being a black man it may have been the record label trying to find a niche way to sell him off i mean yeah sure the devil was quite a taboo subject especially back then but nothing sells better than taboo subjects like that and like the fact that you know, if some people start to believe that story, or even just the mythos, it would have been a fantastic selling point for him. You know, and I'm mm. sure it was, if anything. He's not widely known in the public. I think musicians would know about him, and people that immerse themselves in music, yeah. they would know about him. But the great... Ch- like, after I text... Before I texted you, did you... Have you even heard of them? Yeah, yeah, Al Johnson. Like, my my mum, my family, actually, they really love Eric Clapton and... Uh, oh, yeah, because he gained inspiration. Keith Richards yeah, gained inspiration Keith Richards. from him, too. Um, There's so many current-day musicians that are at the top of their game that gained inspiration from Robert Johnson. I'm sure some people say that just to be popular, though, like Keith Richards. I'm not sure. He's always been that person where I'm sh- not sure if I actually like him or not. Um, I don't really know much. I don't listen to the Rolling Stones not yeah uh, there, well there you go I mean like some some of these people they say yeah I, I got all my inspiration from this guy you do you know about this guy and uh, sometimes uh, with, with Eric Clapton I could believe that because he seems like a genuine yeah genuinely. but it's not just those two there are other people because he's been dubbed well Johnson has been dubbed as like one of the fathers of proper old school American blues music mm-hmm. I mean uh, think about these recordings were done in well I don't know when he wrote them but they were recorded in mid to late 1930s yeah. and it's quite a taboo subject he originated that well not that style other people were playing obviously but mm. That rawness of it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I whatsoever. mean, all raw beginnings and roots of like musical types. You know, you can't if you're going to go blues, it start off with the biggest blues as having the devil over your shoulder all the time, and possibly you know, selling your soul to be damned forever is a perfect source starting mm. point for blues music altogether, and then it just naturally progresses off of that as well. And it's it's great, really. It's such a great fabrication. Even, even if it was a fabrication of maybe a, a jealous uh, singer or, a, you know, just a selling point or, or even just someone who wanted to blemish his memory, it's just a gr- it's fantastic as a uh, a mythos for this, for this character. And I think to myself, if it wasn't for uh, this mythos, would he be as popular as he is today? I mean, he, he would have obviously been an inspiration still, but it adds yeah. to his legacy. I don't know. I mean, because it, it came out in the 19... Well, this legend sort of came about, or was created around the 1960s, mm. after his compilation had been released, after so, it had gotten some critical acclaim. So it was never actually uh, an ongoing thing? Well, not that I'm aware of. Not, not in a big way, obviously. No, but then, like, it, it's murky, but, like, his whole life, it's yeah. all a bit murky. It's it's a theory that it came about after he, he his um, compilation album was released. Yeah. But everything about his life, it's, it's a mystery, isn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, of course, Sun probably kept that story going for a while, and it was probably something that was peddled around. But the fact that when, when he was, re, you know, the resurgence of his music style, uh, especially in the 60s, actually, that's, yeah, exactly, with the, the age of everything kind of opening up and, you know, the awakening after World War Two and stuff, like, where religion didn't have as much of a hold on people, it would have been a bit of a badass statement, wouldn't it? Mm. What do you think about Robert Johnson? I like his music. There's definitely some bridges that were crossed between him and, say, Eric Clapton, uh, Booker T and 
people like oh, green onions, you know. So it, I can definitely see the start of the evolution, though. If you listen to some of his music, like Crossroads, and uh, it's just because you're seeing it at its first root form, it doesn't quite live up to the hype like I thought it would. I didn't hear any. Well, then again, I'm like a luddite when it comes to music, can't I? Oh, I'm su- such a luddite that I didn't know about 19, 1930s recordings. I didn't even know 1930s existed. So, hmm. Mm. It came comes after just after my favorite era, the nineteen tens and twenties. Yeah, it just skipped in my book. Mm. Yeah, it went straight yeah. to forties. Yeah. So, so the legend, do you believe it? Um. Yeah. Go on. It, yeah, it would be nice. It'd be to nice believe if the that. devil was real. But wouldn't more people? <laughs> you know what? I would respect Robert Johnson even more if if it was actually true. Yeah. Because he asked for talent. He didn't ask for fame or success. He didn't do it in a smart way, but he asked for the honourable thing. Yeah, he asked for talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have easily asked for fame, which could have lasted five minutes. No, he asked for a vocation. Yeah, because it would lead to fame. Yeah, how many people link, uh, think long-term when they're selling their soul? Exactly. No, it's like, no, no, I want 10 mil. You could easily spend 10 mil in a year if you're irresponsible. A talent is for life. I think if I was presented with a choice for by the devil in exchange for my soul, I'd probably have a few other questions or, or responses rather than make me really, really good at guitar. But my thinking is, like, you're going to... There's a chance that you might end up in hell anyway, right? If, if hell exists, who yeah. knows what the big man upstairs' rules actually are? Mm-hmm. You know, you never know. Eating chicken on a Friday might be a sin. Yeah, you never know. Like, yeah, you don't exactly. Know. So you might end up in hell anyway. So you might as well make your life on earth more pleasurable. Or it's just that purgatory in between life and hell. It, it's hellish. Yeah, even that might be a religion. You know, like, the religion that we haven't discovered yet might be you have to enjoy life. Or My friend had a theory, actually. I remember back in high school, my friend had a theory was that your last thoughts or your last emotions are what you are set with for the rest of your afterlife. So if you died and you're quite upset, you know, you'd always be upset. If you were in pain when you died, you'd be in pain forever. If you were happy and you were generally quite happy, you know, that would be like your heaven or something. So everyone has their own different ideas, you know. We don't... I I think there was an episode of something, I can't remember what it was, I think probably South Park or something, where they had everyone die... In, on the earth, and I think it was the, only the Mormons that got everything right. Um, <laughs> so the Mormons were stuck in heaven with, like, God, and he was kind of getting sick of them because all the cool people were in hell. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's my thing, right? Like, yeah. if I die, wouldn't heaven be full of really, really boring people? I mean, it's not going to be full of the people that I want to hang out with, like my friends, exactly. are they? They're all going straight to hell, aren't they? <laughs> like, surely if if hell's the kind of place with, with the people that we've been hanging out with anyway, so why, okay, well then I guess I'm not destined for this paradise that everyone keeps blabbering on about. But. Are you saying we should kill ourselves in a murder-suicide so we all go to hell and we could just be together for the whole of our afterlife? Well, that's a bit of a stretch from what I said. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, sure, we'll do it in Canada as well, just to be on the safe side. <laughs> the most religiously proper place on earth. Oh, we could trick our way into hell, uh, heaven somehow and corrupt it. Firstly, well done getting in, tricking your way into, out, outsmarting Mr. G. How about, how about we find a plane that's about to be hijacked, right? And we save some people. Oh, God. And then eventually die because of it. And like, if you save people, surely if there's a hell, a heaven, you should go up there. Why do I keep saying hell so, instead of so heaven? Your plan is for us, for the rest of our lives, 
to continuously take air flights in the very <laughs> slim chance we actually, uh, quote marks, get lucky on a hijacked <laughs> plane. And in that space... Let's not say I said it. I'm not done. I'm not done. And in that space of hijacking, we managed to save the people and die. So I'm assuming we're going to take out these hijackers. No, no, no. What I was thinking, right, was... Like the plane needs to land safely or, or it's going to crash into, like, a populated area. <laughs> so you give the passengers time to get out with, like, their life vests and their parachutes oh. and stuff, and then you crash it into an unpopulated area. Oh, Boom. so honourable. <laughs> Especially when they find you out there was... You can't say I didn't think this through. Oh, my God, that's so... You know, it'd be the most, most, most 90s way to die, wouldn't it? I mean, the plane would have to have hot rods. And, and then they'll look in the back, you know, like, oh, he sacrificed his life to, to crash into the Nevada desert. Oh, shit. Oh, my God, guys, there was an extra parachute left, guys. Oh, you know, oh, like, man. the ultimate sadness. You know what? We're not going to be able to travel on planes anymore. No, not that we've said this now. <laughs> They're going to put us on like, list or something. Like, I, I, just for the rest hey, of our lives. Know- what? They're going to put us on a list, even though we've said we're going to save the people on the bloody plane. We didn't say we're going to crash the bloody plane. Well, that's I don't how want to crash any planes. I don't you, know how to. You use buzzwords now. That's all people listen to. They don't listen to the context of them. You know? Okay, well, we always have to keep this episode on our phone. So when we go to the airport yeah. to travel, we can make them listen to the whole thing. It's like, see, we didn't say we're going to crash the plane. <laughs> all we need to do is find a way to purchase an American Airlines lifetime business class. If you pay a one-off fee of, I think, around $80,000, you can pretty much fly for the rest of your life. Ooh, bit on American Airlines, though. Uh, but at Do the they same fly time, everywhere? I think they backfire on because people start to take the advantage of it. And uh, I think a couple were handed out to tramps. And these tramps just, like, took, like, 12 <laughs> flights a month uh, just living on these airlines. Family members and stuff can mm, use it. Exactly. So I think it kind of backfired and they, they reissued, like they said, uh, it's a, we're going to do away with it. But I'm not sure if they still do something like that. I mean, it sounds like a fantastic idea. I mean, Yeah, it's like the Odeon card. You pay £20 a month and you can go to the cinema, what, a cinema as much as you want. Yeah, but just a little bit better than that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I but think... yeah. To be fair, being on a plane is like being in the cinema because all you do bit. is watch films in a tight space. Yeah. With people that you don't know and don't like. That smell. Unless you get the ultimate, which is a business class on United Arab Emirates airline. I've never been business class. I've only gone coach. I, I've never I've never been on one, but I've seen this video of this guy went on it. You have your own compartment. You have a shower. Yeah, I think I've seen that. Oh, it's so good looking. Didn't man. a famous person do an advert for that? Mm, I don't know if it... I don't know, but I saw this guy on YouTube say he got bumped up to it. Like, holy shit. Yeah, because when they overbook their flights, yeah, my people God. get bumped up. It's crazy good how much stuff you get. It's, it makes me sick, <laughs> you know? Do you, do you want to know what you guys don't understand about short people is travelling on planes mm. is actually great. Because we don't have the leg, leg room <laughs> issue. Because now you're the tallest person on earth. <laughs> No, no, because we don't have the legroom issue. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Because everyone seems crushed and cramped, and I was like, not me. Yeah, yeah, we always have the leg issue. We have that in the bloody cinema. Yeah, but then that's where you get premier seats. Well, we just sit on them. We don't pay for them. <laughs> No, You're not. never going to be allowed into Odeon and View after. So now we're not allowed to fly in planes. We're not allowed well, to go to Odeon or View. 
technically, I'm not allowed. <laughs> You're still cool. You pay for the premieres. I do. I, I, I find this... I can't, I, you know what? Like, these people may think I'm morally corrupt, but I don't yeah. like being dishonest in my real life. Well, I like to say that as well, but the other day I snuck in to see Man- Magnificent Seven. Why'd you do that? Uh, I still feel like I was owed money. I, um, I haven't stolen a movie for years. By mm. stolen a movie, I mean going to another screening after your film's done. Yeah. Well, that's what that we did. We, we, we call them double dips. Um, <laughs> a lot of times we found out that both films are great, but we always try to actually pay for the good film and then, you know, see what else is on. That's a bit shit. I think the worst one that was, uh, we, I think we paid for Thor and went in to see Pirates of the Caribbean for... <laughs> uh, are we stuck into Pirates of the Caribbean? Because fuck it, Disney don't need more money. They've got Star Wars and X-Men. And, oh, my God, it was so hard to watch, and I just wasn't ready for... No, it was Midnight in Paris, and I then... I Midnight in Paris. Yeah, Midnight in Paris was, was great. Right. And then we went in to watch uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I think it was that. But it was just painful. Was Pirates of the Caribbean man. out in 2011? I'm trying to remember which one it was. I think it was Thor and Midnight in Paris. They were together. Yeah, they they, they came out 2000. Actually, no, Thor came out early 2011. Oh, wait, no, sorry. I'm, it was Thor and Pirates of the Caribbean. Midnight in Paris, then we snuck into Drive. Now, you got four movies, man. That wasn't one day, though. Those are, it was Midnight in Paris was with Drive, and Thor was with Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Midnight in Paris and Drive. It was strangely, <laughs> like... like Thor and like, Pirates of the Caribbean, you've got the, they're both big blockbusters. Midnight in Paris and Drive. Some of the best, like, Double dips were like uh, Whiplash and then Foxcatcher. And oh my god, like we did feel guilty for not paying for Foxcatcher, but my god, it's such a great film. Like, I still haven't watched it and I want to. Oh, Matt's I bought it. Room the other day and I bought The Big Short. Ooh, Room. Yeah. Yeah, I, I need to watch that, but people are telling me not to for some reason. Why? Apparently, it's not as good as they thought. Yeah, I, I've got Straight Out of Compton as well. I want to oh, watch that. I want to watch that. That looks cool. <laughs> Oh I've bought so many movies recently. I have no money. Oh, and I bought When Marnie Was There. Wait, oh, oh, is that the uh, the Studio Ghibli film? Yeah. Oh. Well, I've bought quite a few Studio Ghibli films recently. Uh, what's your favourite? I haven't watched them yet. Dude, what's So Prince my favourite is When Marnie Was There, because I watched that you, one in did, the cinema. Did, did you like it? Oh, uh, yeah, I was by myself. It was great. It brings out the feels, right? I know, right? The, you, uh, dude, the blending like, of the real life and the imagination is fantastic. I so believe that Studio Ghibli films really should be watched by yourself. Like, you shouldn't... It was so nice. I didn't mm. have to pay attention to anyone else in the screen. I was just focused on what was going on. You so need to watch... my fa- One of my favourite Studio Ghibli, let alone Studio Ghibli, favourite film ever, animation ever, is Princess Mononoke. And that's like, oh my God, it's so... It's like the Lord of the Rings of uh, Japanese animation. It's brilliant. Yeah. I'm upset that I didn't get into Studio Ghibli films before. I got into yeah. I got into them through their last movie. Well, now you've got a catalogue, you know? Yeah, that's true. I bought I bought some of the old stuff. Oh, you've got to tell me when you watch each one so we can just, <laughs> like, josh on it. Oh, yes. So, okay. So brilliant. So Studio Ghibli has nothing to do with Robert Johnson. It doesn't, but I'm totally excited now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I think we should probably wrap this up. Mm. Yes, like all good blue songs, they come to an end. And we have to run because we've got hellhounds on our tail. Yeah. I've got syphilis, but that's another story. <laughs> I've been poisoned by synchronine. <laughs> Synchronine, whatever it's called. Strychnine. My, my, Strychnine. My zygosa. Oh, how do you say Zygoma. It? My zygoma is flaring up. Oh, oh you complete luddite. <laughs> 
Don't no, make me no, chuck no, you in the Chris, Oxford We haven't lake. expanded our vocabulary. We've just said the same five words <laughs> twice much, for two hours. But it's been creative how we've said them. So. <laughs> The What's viewers, the geography one again? They're all stupid. They can't tell the difference. I, I love you guys. So I Buckminster Fillerine this earlier on. <laughs> Look at it now. And I, I think my special guest was Cumberbatch, but we didn't have enough time for that. Uh, da- wait, no. No. No, Cumberbatch. Come back next time, mate. You better come back next time, Chris. It'll bring free. I'm, I'm warning well. you. We're gonna mate, have mate, mate. It's gonna be like a uh, who's who of Graham Norton guests. We got Martin Freeman. We got Cumberbatch. We got Putin. We got <laughs> we got a bunch of great characters on for next week. It's gonna be fantastic. You, you better be genuine. <laughs> I want Cumberbatch there to make me feel stupid, and I want Martin Freeman there to tell me to fuck off. All right, <laughs> but Sherlock's smarts are literally just like, how did Sherlock do that? There's no, there's, there's nothing needs to be said. He'll just look at the audience and wink. <laughs> that's, that's like a silly person writing a smart person. You <laughs> <laughs> made no sense whatsoever. How, how the fuck? Oh my god, Sherlock! How, how did you do it? How, how on earth did you do it? And he takes off his mask, and it's Moriarty. But then Moriarty takes off his mask, and it's Sherlock. And they're like, how did you know it would be Moriarty? Nothing needs to be said. He just looks at the camera and winks. I'm really confused. <laughs> anyway, hail to Robert Johnson for coming on to Supernatural and bringing along the Crossroads demon. Because without you, we would not have Crowley. And Crowley is one of the greatest things that Supernatural has ever made. Aside from Castiel, Chuck, the brothers, the Impala, and everything. Crowley? You mean Alexander Crowley? No, Crowley the demon from Supernatural. Oh! Okay. Oh, and thanks to Satan, uh, just for generally doing what he does. Oh, yeah, no, I love Lucifer on Supernatural. Yeah. They, we nickname him Lucy. Oh. <laughs> Everyone misses Lucifer. There's a new uh, TV show called Lucifer coming out. Oh, it's not new, mate. It's on its second year. There's a second uh, year of <laughs> Lucifer coming out. You do not write a sing- You do not read a single thing I write, do oh, you? Oh, fucking Luddite. What can I say? <laughs> you really don't. Like, why do I write these essay long... Like, these blog posts and stuff, they're longer than most of the essays I did in uni. <laughs> and no one... None of my friends actually care. Well, that's, that's because, like, uh, they're so involved wankers. with this. <laughs> Bloody wankers. Yeah. Luddites. No, I don't know anyone that reads my writing, but it's not you guys. <laughs> it's our biggest fan. No, he doesn't go on to uh, Spotful Mind, because we've never actually plugged it on here. I can't believe I've never actually plugged it on here. Let's have a nice big plug. Yeah, so um, spotfulmind.blogspot.com, where we focus on television, film, and occasionally I might read a book. Ooh. Occasionally. And Chris has one. Oh, yes. Called that... Chris's Special Brew.blogspot.com. When was that last <laughs> updated, Chris? Oh, uh, wait for the new update, but I'm thinking around the 2012, 13 No, I think era. it was 13. I think it was summer 2013. Yeah, you wrote, so... like, three things. Yeah, so I've got a massive article on the way. You know, it's just taking... <laughs> in a while, you know. Oh, I, I uploaded something, like, an, a couple of hours ago. <laughs> no, but I don't do it as often as, like... Because remember when I first started blogging, I was doing, like, multiple posts a day. Yeah. Now I might do one a week, if that. I think I think it's that burning sensation of just getting out. Like, I have a nasty habit of being really psyched up to either make a picture or do some writing while I'm in the bath or while I'm in bed. Yeah, but when it gets to it... When it gets to it, I'm like, oh, YouTube and the videos that come with it, you know. Yeah, so I only blog when I know that I shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. 
<laughs> but but I, they managed to become like really long blog posts. But at least the passion's there because you're doing it. You'll suffer for it, but it's there now. You know, it's your mark. Yeah. Like Al I, I could write like two thousand words on something minuscule. I, I really could. If I could do that, I'd have a better grade. <laughs> <laughs> mate, mate, I'm I'm like a master at bullshit though. Like, did you ever see me crack open a book during university? <laughs> yes, I still ended up with a two-one. Dude, I can bullshit. I can totally bullshit. I, I should have a PhD in bullshit. Like I, the amount of um, times my bullshit actually got a tick in uni, and I, I know, wondered right? why. I wondered why. I know. It's because you're still keeping on subject and you're bringing up points, and that's the thing about film in uni I found is that there's no real wrong answers. There's just it's wrong just ways to phrase it. Exactly. It's wrong ways to portray it. So opinions can't be changed. Opinions are solid. No, but uh, it's the way you structure it. Like with yeah. like maths and science, there's a yes or no answer. Yeah, like you can't say the gravity Gravity isn't real, per se. You know, it's like, no. Um, right, you can if you're doing philosophy. Of course you can, yeah. That's pretentious as fuck. Uh, <laughs> but, like, yeah, there's no, there's no, like I said, there's no real wrong answer in, in your opinions or, or how you see a film, you know. You just have to really convey it well. You have to explain your, your argument. And To be honest, it's not just about what we, our opinions are. We have to get other people that support our opinions like the feminist point of view the marxist point of view the colonialist point of view but the great thing is that humanity has been at war for so long because of different opinions there's always going to be an opinion that will suit your agenda so because your 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 person that backed you up was my friend harman right yeah like half your essays even if you have to delve real fucking deep and it's like oh yeah he agrees with my opinion it's just some guard from auschwitz or something like that and it's like well he agreed with it you know he was a fucking detrimental to society but he believes the terminator was you know I did an essay on the Terminator. I did, I did. <laughs> that was like my best uh, well, essay. No, no, I did one about the male body, I think, and I got was distracted. Was it post-humanism? No, no, I think this was in Hollywood cinema. Oh, this okay. is like a conversation we shouldn't be having while we're recording. Oh, but it was good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I think we should probably sign off, because yeah. I know you're not going to edit this, Chris. Uh, yes, I've got I've got too many uh, methods to sell. <laughs> <laughs> I have um, too many phone calls to not answer. So, yeah, and too many CVs to rewrite. Oh, yes, good luck with that. I've already done it. I I can't be bothered with it anymore. I did it before we started while I was eating. (laughs) Just write a couple of things and say you're done. I know, I've done it because they asked for five to seven sentences. I've given five more lines. I gave them five to seven lines. Like, there's only so much you could do in a fucking CV. Oh, anyway, yeah. this, again, is a conversation that we should not be having. In that case, I'll say, uh, but that is a tale for another time. For now, let us release. What? Good night, everybody. Good night, and, um, yeah, the devil, Crossroads devil is actually real. So, all of you guys, if you want something, go to a Crossroads in the middle of the night... And summon a devil. Yeah. And yeah. Um, just ignore all my cringy shit. Sometimes you say shit when you're tired and you don't know what you're saying. But <laughs> yeah. I, I, might, I, might sometimes be wearing a trench coat with nothing underneath. And he might not ask for your soul in an, in exchange, but... But that's me on a good day anyway, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, good uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Happy trails.